everyone, and welcome to the Utah Film Pod. My name is Josh Terry. I'm here with Danny Hatch, my co-host, and we have Utah news, we have movie reviews, we have President's Day stuff, and it's all free. Now that's some value. <laughs> we should, Danny, welcome back. <laughs> we should charge some like tax with this or something, you know, make a little bit of something oh. off of it, you know, with tax season coming up, isn't that? I think... Tax season, and maybe maybe just a little bit of a hint as to our news segment in a moment. Wow, that's a you know that was all coming together. It's all coming together. (laughs) No, um, yeah. So funny you say that because there there is a very interesting story that is kind of all over uh, Utah news right now. And um, it, yeah, tax related, just like you said. Yeah, that's right. I just, uh, I was just reading about this this morning in preparation for our podcast. Uh, I guess uh, Kevin Costner has his eye on the Beehive State, or he is, and well, he has his eye on it, and he's hoping to film in it. I guess is the idea. So, mm-hmm. this is a uh, now. There is there is math and numbers involved, but I, we're not going to delve too deeply into all that kind of stuff. Not on a not on a Saturday morning when I'm trying to you know. Not not during a tax season either. <laughs> That's well. Hey, be, believe it or not, believe it or not, I actually got all my tax stuff turned in already. This is hey, I know it's same. Kind of strange. Well, we you know, it. so you t- you too, huh? Oh, well, good. For well, you. I mean, good it's okay. You. Here's the thing: tax season is wonderful for someone in my situation because it's like student. <laughs> dirt poor and it's like it's free money month and i'm just so i was on top of that i I, you know i thanked my parents i'm like hey thank you so much for uh giving me this large paycheck and uh no oh that's great (laughs) rub it in their face a little bit yeah well part of part of me so so the reason that i get a more of a jump is because um i'm i'm a i'm an s corporation like, like when anybody says that corporations aren't people, that's not true because I am a corporation and I am a human. But our, our due dates are earlier. Like I have to do the whole quarterly oh. tax stuff and, uh, you know, and so I have to, I think, I think our returns are actually due mid-March instead of mid-April. Uh, and so, oh, yeah, interesting. so there's, there's just more of an incentive to kind of get, no, that's, that's the thing is if you, if you do, if you do a lot of like freelance work, you know, it's. I, you know, I, well, I'm just repeating the advice I was given years ago that, you know, you're just a lot better off if, you know, you know, the kind of a single proprietor S corporation, like those kind of things. It's just financially yeah. smarter. And I don't know if this is relevant. Do our listeners care about this? Are we still listening to be turned people? <laughs> They're like, we wanted our good old escapism. How dare you? I know. Well, let's, let's get back to that. So let's, okay. So back to the story. So, so back to taxes. So, uh, right. So back to <laughs> No, so so Kevin Costner has this new series that he wants to film, and he wants to do it in Utah because he loves Utah, and you know who can blame him? It's yeah. it's an incredible place. I'm getting excited to go drive down that direction in southern Utah next month. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I guess the the question is, uh, there are certain tax incentives that a new bill is supposed to address, and if that bill passes. Uh, the idea is it's supposed to make filming in Utah more attractive to outside, you know, production companies and 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 all this kind of thing. And so, so basically, if we can, we meaning the legislature. I'm I'm, I'm not a member of the legislature. Um, to my knowledge, I, I don't. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's based, the spirit. Now you sound like a politician. 
Yeah, I will not <laughs> confirm or deny that I am a member of the Utah legislature. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and so I guess what it comes down to is is uh, show show them the money, and they will they will come and presumably bring in more money because the idea is, oh well, if we're filming in these communities, we're bringing in money and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So so what do you think, Danny? Do we do we need to appease the demands of the Hollywood jet set? <laughs> I know that's how this is being framed, but I'm just so surprised there's this debate because like a lot of people are coming out this super negative, like this is going to be like Hollywood or like, you know, how dare they want this from us? And it's like, honestly, if you look at it, the flip side, it's just that they're bringing more money, like productions, especially like this one looks to be like really, really big. Like that's mm. going to bring in a lot of money. And it's like something we wouldn't have otherwise. And like yeah. Utah has this, I, and the thing that I was most surprised by is that there was this cap. Like I, I, I was just, you know, I, I'm surprised that this hasn't been done before. Cause this is about rural communities, which is even better. Like that's, that, those are great spots for filming and you can really boost the local economy economy like i mean it's just it's such a great thing so i'm surprised that this well, hasn't already you know taken place so i don't know maybe i should have done a little bit more research before recording but yeah. when when i hear about stuff like this i'm interested to know what impact is really being made right because that's mm -hmm. always the pitch you know if such and such look i mean we're in the middle of the olympics right now mm -hmm. and Another great example, because that was the argument is, oh, well, if we have if we host the 2002 Olympics, it's going to boost Utah's economy. It's going to put us on the world stage, you know, and 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 so whether it's that, whether it's bringing in, you know, film production or or whatever, you know, hey, we're going to mm -hmm. we're going to you know bring in a, a Walmart to the community. And, you know, and so whenever it, it, it seems to me like these things are always kind of positioned as. Well, this is going to bring in more money to your community if you allow this entity to, you know, come do work or whatever. And I have no doubt that, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that was the case. I am kind of curious to know what the real impact is, though, like in terms mm -hmm. of just like, is there a way to kind of demonstrate that, well, by having the Olympics, we benefited this way or eh, it didn't really make that much of a difference, you know, and so I'm kind of wondering, you know, because we've, we've had film production in Utah for there's all kinds yeah. of places that oh, are yeah. in Utah. And so this is this is really nothing new. It's not mm -hmm. like Hollywood has suddenly discovered southern Utah, you know. I mean, I was I was down in Monument Valley a few years ago watching Stagecoach and they filmed it there, you know, they filmed it down in Monument Valley and you can see the mittens mm -hmm. in the background and all that and and so I don't know. I just I know that we talk about these things on the surface quite a bit, but I've never really taken the time to dig in and see what's you know, what's the honest pros and cons impact mm. here? And and so anyway, I mean, I I yeah. don't particularly feel like it's a, you know, Kevin Costner is trying to manipulate the good people of Utah <laughs> to, to, to save a few bucks on his on his movie overhead. But, you know, it also I don't know the reason for it. It's more just the, the competition side of things like. You know, these states are all kind of, you know, trying to auction off their state to be filmed in, right? So, like, mm -hmm. I, I think this has come because, like, you know, Montana, for example, has been raising their cap and um, 
I, I also see in this article, like, Texas, New Mexico, like, you know, there yeah. are other states nearby where it's, like, arguably, you know, they're kind of similar to Utah, and so it's, like, why not just go there in, instead? So um, it might just kind of be that, you know, when there's, um, you know, a huge supply of options, you know, mm -hmm. that's when you have to add those incentives. Well, and that's, you know, when, when you say that, the first thing that springs to my mind which is another kind of topic to unpack is mm -hmm. that, well, the other places don't have what Utah has, like in terms Absolutely. of, but, but what I'm thinking, and, and by, by that, I mean, I'm thinking about specific locations of, you know, arches. And I'm thinking about, I mean, of course, Monument Valley is actually like half in Utah and half in Arizona. So, you know, we got to be, be technically correct there, but like, <laughs> you know, Bryce Canyon and Zion and Capitol Reef and all these places. But then again, I'm thinking, well, do we, they really film in national parks though, you know? And so, but any, anyway, mm -hmm. it's just, it's just something interesting to think about. And I guess it's a, just a good, good, a good piece of Utah film news that uh, <laughs> appropriately enough has found its way onto the Utah film pod. So, yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're doing our duty. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Would you like to wax nostalgic on the work of Kevin Costner since we brought him up? <laughs> You know what's so funny? I haven't seen a lot of Kevin Costner stuff, so I'm not sure if I could really... Because he's Dances with Wolves, right? I feel like that's yeah. mm -hmm. maybe the only... Well, and that that's an interesting generational comment you just made, because I think that people more my age mm -hmm. are well aware of his, you know, a lot a lot more, I guess, experienced with, with his his films oh yeah and um, i know he's like he's but, big yeah i don't mean to well no but he's some nobody I mean trying is... to film in utah like who is this guy right yeah. no <laughs> i i think that but i think what's interesting is that i don't know if it's if it'd be fair to say like his peak or his his heyday was a while ago now i mean the the i remember a few years ago reviewing like two or three of his movies over the course of like just a couple months and mm. it felt like, Hey, wow, Kevin Costner's back because I just, you know, you hadn't seen him do a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Whereas back when, you know, back in the early nineties, he was doing regular big budget kind of blockbuster type productions, whether they, you know, because Waterworld was always seen as this big, big flop. And, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, like I said, there was dances with wolves. There was the Robin hood movie. Um, the first thing I ever saw him in, uh, was Silverado, which I still say is one of the best westerns. If you if you have any interest in westerns at all, Silverado is a fantastic movie, and and he plays a supporting role in that. Um, he also plays a dead body in a book, a movie called The Big Chill. But uh, <laughs> that's why the members of your generation, Danny, are just not as familiar with the the vast. Hey, you know what? I've been wanting to see Waterworld so bad, you know. So I mean, like, I'm I'm trying to. <laughs> Acquaint myself better. Man, I'm, I, I, you know, this, it's all about improvement. Is this that youthful sarcasm you're using again? <laughs> no, actually, okay. I became fascinated with Waterworld um, at Universal Studios. Um, yeah, in because they made California. a ride out of the thing, even though it was a flop movie. What the no, no, no. So that? they have this show, a stunt show, and I love stunt shows. And this one was just oh. like, oh my goodness, it was so fun. The cast was like so funny. Like, there's just so much personality. And I'm like, what is this thing? Like, it was just so. But it was also very, like, stylized after the film, too. And I'm just like, what is yeah. this? And um, found out about the movie. And um, 
you know, what a sad flop because it was so expensive to make. And um, honestly, yeah. I think it's a great premise that I, I'd like to see them revisit. Well, it's it was a cool idea. Yeah. I mean, it's basically it was basically Mad Max on the water. Yeah, right? exactly. Exactly. What, what I remember is not thinking, oh, this is terrible. I because I went and saw it, and and I remember it, you know, being watchable and fine. Mm-hmm. But I also have not had the impulse to rewatch it in what, like the twenty five years since it came out. Mm. So that's kind of the best, you know, verdict I can I can draw is that it was fine at the time. I didn't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember coming out of it thinking, "Oh my gosh, that was terrible." Like, because there, there are definitely movies where it's like, "Oh, that's garbage. I never want to touch that again." This was just a movie that I saw. I remember that people said it was a flop. I didn't think it was that bad, but I also have had no, no interest in ever rewatching it. Mm. So, no, that's fair. Yeah. So should we should we cut back in then? Yeah, I'm back yeah. to business. Right. Right. Uh. Well, we have a few new movies to cover this uh, this episode. the uh, The pace seems to be picking up a little bit in the oh, yeah. uh, the releases of twenty twenty two, and uh, I think the the most appropriate one to start off with would be Uncharted, which you have already reviewed and mm-hmm. posted to the Utah Film website. So, how about I let you lead off and uh, tell us a little bit about Uncharted? Oh, absolutely. So, I saw this movie. Basically, as soon as it came out, like I was, I, I really wanted to see what this movie would be like as soon as I could and, and get talking about it because um, Uncharted is based on my, one of my all time favorite video game series. I just, I love it so much. It's very much um, similar to that Indiana Jones adventure, searching for the treasure and the puzzles. And um, it's just, it, it's so, so much fun. And I was really excited when I heard this movie was going to come out. And, um, of course, like being an ultra fan, right? Like I, I had some hesitancies, but, um, I think it was pretty good. Um, this movie kind of takes that, um, origin story kind of look where you're taking iconic characters of Nathan Drake and Victor Sullivan and how they met. Um, Nathan Drake is this scrappy young thief who, um, is kind of this ultimate history nerd. (laughs) And, um, you know, he, he just knows about all these random, um, like, lost treasures of the world and um victor sullivan is kind of this more experienced treasure hunter who recruits him because he used to work with nathan's brother sam and so um he kind of convinces him to to join him go across the world to find magellan's lost treasure when he was circumnavigating the globe i i think the script was probably just the best part because it captured exactly what the games feel like just with the the dialogue and um, the tropes, the 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 plot line matched it so well. Um, it was just it was so fun to see that. Um, and I mean, I it's so hard for me to talk about <laughs> this movie and so like um, knowing that a lot of people probably don't know about this game. Like, do you know about this game at all? No. 
Okay, yeah. So, but just as an adventure story, like, I, I think this was a great time. Um, I, I really liked Holland and Wahlberg's chemistry. I think they, they bounced off each other really, really nicely. Um, the thing that I was most nervous about coming into this was just from that fan standpoint where it's like, when I saw who the who they casted as these two leads, it's just like, um, Wahlberg's supposed to play this guy who's like a grandpa who smokes on a cigar and flies planes. Like, that's his character. Oh, wow. So okay. it was just, it was so bizarre seeing that, where they're kind of closer in age. And like, but Holland's like, <laughs> okay. Were you just, were you just dazzled by Tom Holland's dreamy eyes? Oh my gosh. No, so here's <laughs> the thing. And this is my hot take. I don't get the Tom Holland, Timothy Chalamet <sighs> love. Aha, so it's the opposite. <laughs> yeah, no, so that's the thing. It's like, Nathan Drake's like a, like a, Oh, who would I compare him to? Kind of almost like like a Harrison Ford. Like, you know, just someone who's like, I don't know, more of a man. And like Tom Holland's a kid. So it's just uh, it's okay. so weird to me. But I mean, he delivered those lines. So like, I mean, if you don't know these characters, you're going to like, they're so funny. They're so quick. It, it was a really, really fun time. And that, so I had to tell myself, it's like, hey, you know what? They're still, they're making it their own. And like I said, it's kind of this origin story. Like, it's kind of hinting that um, Mark Wahlberg's kind of, like, aging, kind of becoming more that character mm -hmm. as time goes on. Um, so I had to remind myself that. I'm like, okay, this is just them younger. And Tom Holland is, like, extremely young. But, oh, and, and I mentioned this in my review. Um, they had Tom Holland around alcohol so often. And I wonder <laughs> if it was to remind us that he's above the age of 21 like I, I just i don't know i thought that was just so funny to be like no this isn't high school spider-man this is a man and he's out on a mission to steal stuff and it's just like okay <laughs> um I, I just that was really weird and it's like again kind of like out of character a little bit but but it was uh, it was fun, and it was just... I, I used the word respectful in my review because, like, I think that was the most important thing where it's, like, it knows the tropes. It knows how the game works, and so it just... It showed that. It had a cameo of the guy who plays the original Nathan Drake, um, okay, and, and yeah. it was it was fun. Like, I mean, just... It's a great time, and so I, I just... I really recommend this movie um, for fans um, and for people who don't know anything about the series. Yeah, I just, I, I really enjoyed it. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> so should I respond now? <laughs> <laughs> if you want, if there's anything you're wondering. is Do you have any questions about this one? No, I have no questions at all. I have a take on it, though. Oh, Because right? I saw the movie, too. <laughs> Did you really? Oh, you didn't know that? No. I thought this was going to yeah. be one of the oh, ones I you skipped. Oh, wow. Okay, what do you think? What you said was really interesting to me, because initially what I took from your, t your take on this was that this was a good movie for fans of the game. Right. And I think that yeah. that's a lot of what you're saying. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's the perspective I'm coming from. So that's probably right. Right. Yeah. No. And so, so I think that if, if we were to summarize, you know, if we were to encapsulate Danny's take on uncharted, it's, this is a good movie for fans. Um, you did highlight some things though, that made me wonder if fans would be turned off. Like the idea that, you've got Tom Holland in the role instead of somebody who's a little bit older mm -hmm. um, because that was one of the things that made me 
really dislike this movie. Um, oh, interesting. I yeah, I I did not like this movie very much. I mean, it's I the way the way I would summarize my take is that it's it's decent for a February release. It's decent for a video game movie, and that's not really high praise, unfortunately. I, oh, okay. Yeah, no, I I I don't know. Because here's my I, thought. I thought that Tom Holland was picked so that, you know, the likes of you could enjoy this, you know, whatever. Like, the, you know, get a popular uh, Well, let me, let me expand. Let me yeah. expand a little bit. Um, so I thought that, you know, fun idea is just kind of your, your basic kind of national treasure, Indiana Jones yeah, type, of, yeah. type of thing, which is fine. Um, but there, it was just so over the top and so... <laughs> kind of kind of silly and ridiculous and and I I felt like I didn't like the script I didn't like the the story very much I I really struggled with the characters because they just like I really enjoy Tom Holland as an actor I really like Mark Wahlberg Oh yeah um I really I really like Antonio Banderas and He was great but the characters weren't very likable you know I mean one of the first things we see is is Tom Holland you know stealing from some innocent girl and and it's like i know i know that we can't obligate him to be peter parker in every movie that he does but the thing is like it or not he has a very innocent pure look about him mm. and trying to kind of translate him into this kind of rough around the edges you know i don't know i think i think it's really really tricky to make movies about good bad guys, right? Like mm -hmm. thieves, right? Like the Oceans yeah. movies, especially first, you know, the the first um, Brad Pitt, George Clooney, Oceans Eleven, was fantastic. Like that's you know, if you if you're gonna that's cheer the for the example. bad guys, that's the perfect yeah. example. This one just didn't work for me because nobody was really likable enough. I didn't like the, the you know the whole because uh, you also have uh, Sophia Ali, who, who's kind of like the uh, a fellow. Uh, treasure hunter criminal that I don't know I just so this mm -hmm. this is so initially as you were describing your take on this movie my instinct was oh okay so if you are familiar with the video game you're really going to enjoy this but if you don't have that familiarity with the video the, the video game you're not going to have that connection and I I just didn't I yeah. really and I don't feel like it's fair to compare every movie in a genre to the absolute best movie of its <laughs> genre. Fair okay. Enough. So 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 while I'm watching Uncharted, I'm thinking I can't just judge this movie because it's not Raiders of the Lost Ark because not Nothing every movie will ever can be, be yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark. But but and here's the big but. They point out Indiana Jones in this movie. <laughs> they do. Right? Yeah, and no, it's you, true. When it's you true. go out of your way to say, hey, when did you become old Indiana Jones? It's like, I'm sorry, now you have to be judged accordingly. And and so if you're making an effort, if you're making an obvious, explicit, transparent effort to set yourself up against something like that, I, and I presume a lot of the audience, is going to start making comparisons. And, and Uncharted, you know, is not in the same league it's it, it has its good points right like yeah. I, I don't want to completely crap all over this movie i'm just going to largely crap all over this movie <laughs> um this is this is the fundamental issue is that indiana jones like raiders of the lost ark in particular 
um, also Last Crusade and to, and less so with with Temple of Doom. The reason that series and that that characterization is so good is because Indiana Jones as a character is, and I've heard this out elsewhere, so I can't take credit for this observation entirely, but he is not quite up to the task. And so it's, it's, he's always kind of overmatched very, very human, very, very flawed. And Mm -hmm. so he needs a little bit of luck to be successful. And, and, and that's what makes these movies as crazy as they are, makes them believable and makes them enjoyable with uncharted. It's like, I see a CGI Tom Holland jumping. This is in the first five minutes of the movie (laughs) jumping from you know, uh, airline baggage, you know, pallets in the middle of the air, you know, and it's just, it's just too much. It's just too yeah. over the top, too overblown. And, and again, and this is, this is where I think it's, it'd be really cool to hear from you because mm-hmm. if that's evoking what the game is like, then that's fine. Mm-hmm. But you, if you don't have that, it's like this. I'm sorry, this just looks stupid. Yeah, no, that's I don't buy this. That's and, totally fair. And I have to, I have also have to admit that I'm not a gamer. I I, <laughs> I I I am not a gamer by any stretch of the imagination. And so, you know, I you you can lump me in that category of critics who are always unimpressed with <laughs> video game movies. But but I don't know. I mean, because initially I just wanted to say, okay, well, it sounds like. This is a great movie for fans of the game. Non-fans are not going to be that impressed. But it seems okay. like you kind of had some misgivings about the interpretation as well, i.e. Tom Holland, who yeah. honestly, because I noticed that too. Like the fact that they always had him, you know, behind the bar. It's like, dude, <laughs> or this getting kid drunk. looks, yeah. well, like this kid looks like he's going to get carded for the next 10 years of his life. <laughs> Making him a bartender almost seems insulting. This is, yeah. So I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, and I, yeah. I think that you know maybe, maybe not somebody as old as Mark Wahlberg, Wahlberg, but it sounds like it should have been an older actor in the Tom Holland role, and then, you know, somebody like because you said that the Sully should have been a lot older. Yeah. But yeah. anyway. No, absolutely. That is definitely, I think a a big just it was just such a strange choice and I really did think it was for the audiences who aren't familiar with Drake but it's funny that you say that because it's like you know those lines that I'm like oh my goodness you know Nathan Drake would totally say that but it's like coming from the the mouth of babes it's a little (laughs) it's a little odd so um no I think that's so interesting that you pulled that you um pointed that out and you know um I, I do have to say with the the opening scene that's kind of what made me love what they were doing because in the video game, like during like the, you know, tutorial phase, you're always jumping forward to some kind of moment where Nathan is like hanging over a a cliff or something and he has to climb up because it's a platforming game. Right. So seeing him jump across the crate, like trying to like climb up um, was just so true to that story and so that's why i think those kind of choices were made but yeah it is ridiculous and um <laughs> so it's totally totally fair um i i think in that it, way it makes me wonder if it if it's just kind of another example of why video games just really struggle to translate into movies mm-hmm. right because because i think if i had played that game based on what you're describing yeah. that opening scene would have been like 
a a it, it well it would have been like a a knowing callback to oh my exactly. gosh they're recreating exactly what you do in the game exactly and so it doesn't make it believable and and maybe that's the problem is that you're trying to take something that is acceptable within a video game universe and trying to present it in live action is just you, the, the believability is just never going to yeah I don't know yeah interesting yeah well I I just wonder because like I mean the big thing that I felt for people who don't know the game I mean did you think it was like fun at all because i feel like that's kind of the main element is that it's not just... as much as it should have been okay, i mean there were like, like i say i think i think the nicest thing i can say is that if if you need a little bit of escapism in in a stretch of the year where you don't have a whole lot of big movies you do want to go out to a theater i could i could i could justify this as a you know kind of a discount tuesday kind of a fun thing um, mm-hmm. speak, again, speaking as somebody who's not familiar with the game and is not a gamer. No, I'm um, glad. I'm but, glad but we beyond have this that, like, like I think I think that there is a reason that this is coming out now instead of like in June. Mm. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like I need to rewrite my review now because I, I just do I, I, do I have I to go totally find a new thought... co-host now. <laughs> No, I totally thought that I'm like, oh, man, this is such a great movie to recommend to people who aren't familiar. Because, I mean, honestly, what I almost titled the review was that Uncharted is this Cliff Notes version of the game. Because, okay, actually, okay, I do want to insert this in. Because um, another point that you made was about the likability of the characters. And I think that was very poorly handled. And and it might be the casting choice. I think it was the script because... so, I, I, you know, I can see that with Tom Holland, but especially with Mark Wahlberg's character, um, I was thinking so about... So you, did, you didn't like him? No, I liked him. I didn't oh, like okay. what they did to him because he's... Okay. What I said in my review is that he goes through this forced character arc that is just so against Sully's character. Like, it is, it is what he's not. And so yeah. that was very frustrating for me because he is, like, my favorite character in the game. And yeah. so um, the, the, the game in the series that I think this is most based on um, is kind of this one where it's like you don't know what Sully's intentions are. Like, can you actually trust him? And just, you know, it's, it's kind of shrouded in mystery a little bit. Like, after playing the game for so long, players are now confronted with this question of like, wait, do we really know this guy who's just always had our back? Like, do we really know him? Because he's a yeah. thief. You know, and so I thought that was a great question that drove the whole game. And then um, at the very end, it's like, well, yeah, he's still our lovable Sully. Like, of course he's, of course he's going to have our back. How could we have ever doubted him? And um, this movie did not give him that. And, and I mean, like, there was still that mystery, but like kind of pretty immediately, you, you know that he's not honest. And um, I think that made him a lot less likable. And so, because, you know, there's kind of this, and it's an idea presented in the game, it's like this, the code of thieves, where it's like, even though y'all are rascals, it's like, there's still some goodness in some of them, especially Nathan Drake, where it's like, I'll do this, but I I wouldn't do that. And, um, you know, they they draw the line differently, but they still have these moral codes that they follow. And, yeah, yeah, I don't think this movie showed that that well, and I think that would have really enhanced likability but like i said i think this is supposed to be an origin story so it's like 
they haven't developed oh, it's clearly, that they, yet. No, they, <laughs> they definitely set up. They, that, they want to do a sequel. That's for sure. But exactly. So in that ending, I feel like they are more those characters that do have that that trust and that bond. And so maybe it was that they were trying to like show these characters come closer together, but mm-hmm. it was, it felt very out of character for, you know, who they're established in the franchise. So yeah. I, I, I do think they could have done a better job in making them likable, but I think they wanted that conflict and that introduction kind of. And um, I think that was disappointing, but that's why I say like, I'm excited to see what comes next. Cause I feel like, okay, we've, we've had the arc. They're good now. Like, they're they're trustworthy thieves now. We can get over that, <laughs> you know. So, um, but I do okay. agree with well, you there. You'll you'll have to. <laughs> I I would be surprised. I would be surprised if they made a sequel to this movie. <sighs> I don't so I don't see it. Didn't they make a lot of money though? It's it's been out for three days and it's it says it's heading for like fifty million. Yeah. No, it's you know. But I don't know how much it cost to make it because I think it was pretty expensive. So, yeah, I I, I think that's going to be for them to judge if it's worth it to put the money right, in. Right. So so based on what I'm hearing from you and and based on you know kind of what we're seeing from you know early returns and stuff like that, I think this is going to be one of those movies that I'm going to be really interested to reflect on a year from now because hmm. I can say that right now. I didn't like it. I don't expect it to be great. I don't, or I don't, I can say that I didn't like it and I don't expect it to turn into a series like it wants to, mm-hmm. but who knows? I could be wrong. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, now yeah. I'm, now I'm concerned about my own judgment a little bit because uh, I, I gave another pretty favorable review uh, this since we last recorded uh, for Marry Me. Which was, you know, uh, kind of the big budget uh, romance movie coming out on Valentine's Day weekend. <laughs> um, starring Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson. And, I mean, if if anyone hasn't heard about this, like, you must not be on social media. Because I think they really pushed this one hard. And I'm guessing is, I mean, it was just, it was so big, you know, with these big names and, like, big sets and concerts. And, you know, it was, it was... It was quite the quite the show, and um, you know, with that whole escapism idea, like you know, if you're not feeling like that adventure escapism, uh, this um, big star kind of escapism might be up your alley. So, um, uh, yeah. So the premise of this is that Jennifer Lopez plays Jennifer Lopez as this huge <laughs> international superstar, and um, she's going to. Uh, marry her fiance on stage who's also um a big star and um she finds out like the second before she goes on stage that he was cheating on her and so she gets Uh up there and starts monologuing and decides she needs a change and she picks out a random guy in the audience who's carrying a marry me sign and she says i'll marry you and they they get married before this huge crowd and um, and I, I really liked this premise because the way that that scene was set up, it felt like the climax of a rom-com and, oh, okay. So starting, I, starting at the end. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, you know, I think it's, it's really good to look at marriage that way where, you know, you think, oh, I made it and this is great. Right. But then it's like, you know, there's still like logistical things and getting used to being with this person. Right. 
Um, yeah. And I wanted them to explore it a little bit more. And they kind of did the first couple minutes, especially since, you know, these wor- worlds colliding. You know, she's this pop star, but then Owen Wilson's character just happened to be at this concert because he's trying to win the affection of his um, apathetic preteen daughter. And <laughs> Good <laughs> and luck! I know, exactly. And he's, he, you know, he's kind of this... This pathetic divorcee, you know, he's... He's Owen Wilson. Yeah, he's Owen Wilson. I'm telling <laughs> well, you. Well, like... no, no, not... I have. I honestly, I have no idea what his marital status is. I don't mean it in that <laughs> way. What I, what I mean is, like, Owen Wilson is, is kind of like the perfect, oh. lovable oh, sad yes. sack, right? Oh, like, he's never, yes. he's never really on top of his game. He's always kind of beleaguered. And, and, you know, but like I say, he's kind of like this beloved, mm. you know, so, so I, I think I, that sounds like a perfect casting to make him the, yeah. the, the, the crapped on single dad. <laughs> and he totally is. And, and the dad jokes are real. Like, I mean, they, they hit hard, but um, I mean, it, and the performances are the leads, especially like, it's just, that's the best part of the film. I think Lopez, she's just. She's great in, in, in her role, and Wilson's, uh, of course, perfect in his. And um, even the um, music performances were pretty solid. Um, a, a little risque in some parts, um, so parents be warned. And, um, but, I mean, very good. Um, her fiancé is played by uh, Maluma. I, I, I'm not familiar with him, but apparently he's, he's, an, uh, he's an artist, and um, his voice is beautiful. Like, oh my goodness. Like, it, it was it was fun. Something funny that I do feel about this, a lot of people have been calling this a rom-com, and uh, I think in some ways it does kind of have the tropes, like, you know, meeting in a strange way, or like, you know, the forced relationship and the third act conflict, but I, I think they wanted something very just sincere and not very silly. Um, there are some great jokes. It did make me laugh, um, but it's it, it's more you know on on that on the sweet side of it, and it's just it, it was very nice, fun. Um, I it is kind of a little bit of a product of its time. Um, there's okay. a lot of like TikTok shots, uh. which I, I don't understand, but they were there, <laughs> and um, well, maybe they were a sponsor. I, I wonder. Um, there were definitely some sponsors in there, um, but kind of, you know, um, very self-aware about those. But, like, it was also, um, they they were definitely striving for diversity and, like, sharing these messages. And, like, the diversity was kind of cool. Like, Owen Wilson's a teacher, and so it showed a classroom with, like, a good variety of kids. And, and it wasn't in a, like, a natural way of, like, oh, we have to have our token whatever character um it it just seemed like this is normal life and you would kind of see that but there were other times where jennifer lopez would be like preaching to the kids almost it's like hey you just gotta be true to yourself or sometimes i'm scared and it's like no one breaks out of a scene and gives this speech like that like it just it was so unnatural and it really pulled me out of the movie um but besides that, like I, I think it was very, very solid, and yeah. No, well, I think I think what you're illustrating is something I, you know, here again, something that I, I emphasize in my classes, and I think applies to movies as well. Is this the whole show don't tell, you know? Yeah. I mean, because was when you're when something is just being presented as just kind of matter of fact and natural, and you know, 
it's right there. You're seeing it. You're you're taking it in. Yeah. But I I think a lot of times, and and I've I've seen this with you know all all sorts of like like any any message based movie. There there are times when it feels like, and and I have to say, you know, I I have not seen Marry Me. Um, now, uh, so you know, take this as a grain of salt, but like it. It seems to me that when when a movie is more interested in getting a message across than telling a good story, that's when it runs into problems. And and that's where you get kind of the the soapbox preachiness and 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 like like I said, I've seen I've seen it all over in, in in various movies. And it drives me crazy because it's like, just tell me the story. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if it's if you tell a good story, those messages will come through. And they don't have to be explicit. They don't have to be spelled out. You don't have to, you know, have a character give some big speech to spell everything out, right? Mm-hmm. And and so, again, not having seen Marry Me, I I I, I assume that's what you're ref- you know, referring yeah. to here. But yeah. I've certainly I've certainly seen it elsewhere. Um, yeah, no, it's now. it's funny because like it's it's like that, but then it's almost as if like oh we're having this little side thing going on and we need mm-hmm. to talk about this. So it'd be completely yeah. unrelated to the plot, but it's like, right. oh, this is our stance on this issue and this topic and we need to talk about it. And it's like, it has nothing to do with the story. So it's something they yeah. couldn't even show because it was irrelevant. It was, it was so weird. No. And it's, well, it's again, not having seen the movie mm-hmm. just in general, that to me smacks of poor movie making, right? Yeah. Because the movie, if if the movie is done well, it can communicate those messages in a, in a more skillful and resonant yeah. way. If you have to put the brakes on everything and have somebody step up on a soapbox about whatever issue, I think that that just means that, you know, I mean, when you, when you watch deleted scenes on a movie and you get the director's commentary, they never say, we cut this because it was crap. Right. They never say, oh, I can't believe somebody, this was so stupid. What were we thinking? They always say, oh, we loved this. You know, this was such a great and so and so did such a great performance. They did such a great job. But it just it interrupted the flow and, it, mm-hmm. and we, we sacrificed it for pacing and we it just wasn't it was a distraction. Yeah. And and I think that the same thing applies where, oh, it's just so important. I just have to say this. You know, maybe it's the wrong movie for it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it doesn't belong in this movie. Maybe there's a better way to do it. Maybe you, there's a way to show it instead of having somebody stop and tell us this. Yeah. You know, and and honestly, like I to be fair, because we're kind of talking about, you know, having, you know, message about diversity and stuff like that. I think that the this the same problem comes up all the time in a lot of faith-based movies where it's mm-hmm. it's very clear that the movie is more interested in delivering its message about some kind of, you know, faith-related issue than telling a good story. Whereas if you just told a good story, that message would still come through. Mm-hmm. And that, that stuff, it, it drives me nuts. Because yeah. it, it gets a lot of, you know, in some cases, the entire genre is kind of labeled as inferior because they're more interested in X than Y, you know, and <laughs> I don't know. And now yeah. here I am on a soapbox, <laughs> on a podcast, <laughs> we, preaching. We, we break our Marry Me review for a... 
Yeah. Now, yeah. of course, you know, based based on, you know, Uncharted, I guess I think we can probably assume that I would hate Marry Me. And so, <laughs> so just fill in. <laughs> it's cute, though. And I mean, like, these performances are just so fun. Great chemistry. Like, it, it was, it was, that was cute. But yeah. Now, yeah. Uh, I, I, now I, you could prove me wrong here and feel feel free to do so. Um, <laughs> but I think we're a little bit more in agreement on on our final review today. Mm, yeah. So Kenneth Branagh is back uh, with another Agatha Christie movie. He did Murder on the Orient Express a couple of years ago, and now we've got Death on the Nile. And uh, I, I, we we kind of hinted at this in the last in the last uh, episode. Um, I, I really liked this one. I specifically liked it a lot more than Murder on the Orient Express. Um, I, I mean, the basic idea here, it's, it's another murder mystery, right? Uh, you got, uh, uh, kind of a very, you know, group of various diverse characters who come together. And in this case, they wind up, it's not a train, it's a boat. And they're in Egypt, and they're on the Nile. And the the main, I guess, the main focus is around uh, a newlywed couple who is celebrating, uh, who's basically on their honeymoon with a lot of, uh, you know, kind of wealthy friends and family. But they also wind up uh, in the presence of the scorned woman who had been engaged to the new groom. And so there's this really testy love triangle type thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then somebody gets killed. <laughs> and so, wow. there's a, so there's a death on the Nile. I don't know if that is a very good way of explaining <laughs> that or not. No, that's perfect. But, uh, yeah. No, but I mean, so yeah. So, so basically you've got Army Hammer, uh, who is the groom. And Gal Gadot is his, his newlywed, you know, his, his new bride. Um, and Emma Mackey is Jacqueline, who is the scorned former fiance of uh, uh, Army Hammer. And so they're, they're kind of like the crux to this movie. And, you know, then you have a murder and an investigation. And, of course, Kenneth Branagh is playing uh, Hercule Poirot, as I murder my, my French pronunciation. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I really enjoyed this one. I felt it was a lot. I don't know. I, I don't want to think that it's just because... I wasn't familiar with the story this time because since I've already seen like the other murder on the Orient Express, I already kind of knew where things were going, but there were other things about that movie. I just didn't like, whereas this time I really, I really enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I like the performances, especially like Emma Mackey, I thought was awesome. I, yeah, I, I agree. really, really, she, she totally stood out to me. In fact, and this is, this is hilarious and I hope this doesn't undercut what I'm trying to say, but like I spent most of the movie trying to figure out, is that Margot Robbie? Like I, <laughs> right, because no, she's so similar, but it's like, head. no, yeah. that's not, but that's, that's wrong. Right. Because I hadn't spent a whole lot of time, you know, looking into all the press publications and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh my gosh. Okay. So anyway, who, you know, whoever that was, and it was Emma Mackey, holy cow, just really yeah, like excellent job. Well, and a lot and, of the characters too, because like, you know, it, and it just added to that suspense, like, who can we really trust? And, like, I think Russell Brand was also a really amazing performance, which right. was Right, once you surprising. figure out it's him, right? Yeah. Because that was another one. It's like, holy cow, that's Russell Brand. And right? you, <laughs> He's cleaned you know, up. What? Playing, playing the anti-Russell Brand. But, yeah. uh, 
the well-respected doctor and yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy but it was yeah no everyone um but especially like you said with um jackie's character the ex-fiance she was oh every scene very yeah. very intense mm-hmm. so that was super fun you know gal gadot is she's she's just kind of consistently strong you know she she has such a great presence that you know she was a good foil for for jackie and you know and it's I don't know. I think I think the one weird thing, right? And I guess I, I understand why this was included, because I see how it set something up later on. But I I guess the one part of the movie that didn't that just strange was the opening scene, which was this flashback to Poirot's service in was that World War One? Yeah, World War One. And yeah, and it's kind of like the origin story of his mustache in a way, but like, <laughs> but then it also is like setting up kind of, you know, there are also some themes about kind of love and, you know, yeah. affection. Like there are definitely things that came back, but, but opening the movie with a war sequence was just a little weird for me. And which, which I guess is kind of similar to what I didn't like about murder on the Orient Express was that it felt like at times they were trying to turn a murder mystery drama into too much of an action movie. Um, but anyway, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe no. that's just because of us, you know, in the 20th, 21st century, but uh, <laughs> we, we have to, we have to have our action, but, but I, I don't know. What did you, what did you think of this? Yeah, one? No, I, th- I thought that was very interesting. Cause um, so I, I was, I made sure that I positioned myself. We went out with uh, my in-laws to see this movie. And I made sure I positioned myself right next to my brother-in-law, who loves Death on the Nile and Agatha Christie. Like, But this one in particular is his favorite story. And okay. so, like, you know, I'm just trying to, like, see his reaction. And I picked his brain immediately after. And, yeah, that was something that was added. It wasn't um, in the in the book at all. But mm, I... Okay. I, I mean, <laughs> the origin story of the mustache, yeah, it's kind of funny. But I think it did develop into something deeper because... This movie, like, the theme is love and how it's just as deadly as it is beautiful. And I, yeah. thought, I thought that was very, very interesting. And, I mean, we saw it with, I think, every character. And it was, I, th- I think it worked really, really well. So I did enjoy that. And, and I think it was kind of fun, the, the shift in look to, I, 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 I think Kenneth Branagh was very good at, like, cinematic, right? And, and so I thought mm-hmm. it was very beautifully shot and... It made him look younger. So, like, I mean, it was... <laughs> I will say, though, with that theme of love, this movie is a... Um, it's very sexually charged. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. No, that means... No, no, and that... <laughs> I, I noted that, too. Okay, and yeah. it's it's for sure a PG-13 movie. Yeah. But it's the kind of PG-13 movie that kind of makes you raise your eyebrow a little bit. Because it's <laughs> like, wow, like, there's there's nothing happening here that's like... <laughs> you know, change the rating, but we're kind of, wow. Like like even like there's, you know, you got some dirty dancing going on and uh, it's uh, no, I, (laughs) (laughs) that's funny. Cause I, of course, now that you mentioned that, cause it's been a couple of weeks since I saw it. And, and, and so it's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. That is, it's, I think sexually charged is a good way of putting it. Yeah. Like it's, it's not, it wouldn't be so prohibitive that, you know, it would, like I said, it would change the rating, but, but it kind of, you know, it pushes against those boundaries a bit. And, 
and it's it's intense like well maybe maybe like sexually intense would be a you mm. know because i don't know which which again is is interesting because that that butts up against the notion of okay well the difference between genuine love and you know so so maybe is what hap- is is what maybe what is happening in this movie has more to do with unbridled sexual passion than it does genuine love right maybe yeah. that's maybe that's part of what's i think it had its place like it had a purpose it wasn't trying to be gross i think it was you know on on par with a theme that um did show very it was very good in in expressing that a little too good at some point so like maybe don't bring young children into it because it's it's kind of in your face a little bit but um yeah yeah no it's 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 definitely in terms of sexual content like we said it doesn't it's not an r-rated film no there's no nudity i don't think yeah well, I, I think the best way to put it for, for audiences who might be a little bit surprised by this is that if you're going into this as a PG, as a regular PG-13 movie, you might be surprised because it's a little bit more, you know, sexually intense mm-hmm. than than your normal PG-13, even though technically it's not an R-rated movie. Especially at the beginning. It doesn't it doesn't carry on throughout. I think it's more no, that's right. to establish the characters. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's done in a way where, like, I was really excited when people started dropping dead. <laughs> like I was ready for that because I don't think I really liked. I'm ready any for of some the of these people to die. <laughs> and, and but it made it really intense because like I was totally fine with any of them dying, and I was totally fine with any of them being murderers. Uh-huh. Um, and I was just like, yes, this is a boat full of people who I don't really like, except for who, maybe des- a few. who deserve. <laughs> well, right, because I mean. Even though this the story is centered around you know this married couple, this couple, yeah, it's kind of hard to say that there's a protagonist in this movie other than you know maybe maybe Poirot, but even that yeah. is like he's kind of observing you know, all of this go down. Yeah, well, I mean, he's us, right? I mean, we're yeah. we're, we're looking, we're watching this story through his eyes and yep. trying to figure out what happened through his you know through his actions. Mm-hmm and and stuff so i guess that would have to be the way to but no it's especially considering we were just kind of talking about the issue of likability with uncharted it's interesting that a movie like death on the nile they're like they're not making anybody likable i mean i guess poirot right i mean mm-hmm. you, you you're supposed to like him but and a few of the else. passengers some of the passengers were really good and and they were very complex like i mean you know how i felt about these characters might differ from how you feel about these characters like i know my favorites but it's because of you know, this, this, that, right? Um, yeah. And then some people might, you know, identify more with the struggles of another person where it's like, yeah, maybe they weren't, you know, completely in the right, but I feel like they're justified. So there's there's that complexity in the characters that yeah. I think was very interesting. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I, yeah. there, there are particular things I can point to, but just in general, I... I liked it, and I liked it better than Murder on the Orient Express, and it makes me want to see more Agatha Christie adaptations mm. and more screen time for Kenneth Branagh's prosthetic mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Bring, Which... on <laughs> <laughs> Bring on the stash. Bring on the stash. Okay, so so I thought it might be kind of fun to finish on something a little more topical, though we're not going to make a 
big discussion out of this. I thought it would be fun for this episode, given that it's going to be coming out around President's Day, uh, to nominate our favorite on-screen performance uh, interpretation, whatever you would like to say, of a U.S. president, uh, real or fictional. And I was going to say, speaking of Kevin Costner, because I was thinking in my head that he had been the president, but I'm not sure if he has. I'm trying to, like, I saw him in 13 days, but he was playing an advisor mm. to President Kennedy, not the president. president so, yeah. of course, it wouldn't surprise me if at some point he had been cast as the president in some movie that maybe I just haven't seen. But anyway, enough Kevin Costner. Let's talk about President's Day. And so, I <laughs> guess there's a lot to choose from, right? I mean, you yeah, think about, okay, well, how many lot. different people... So, so I don't know if, if just asking for one is too hard a task, but uh, what did you come up with? Well, it's so funny you said 13 Days because that was like one of the first ones I thought of. Yeah, well, it was a good movie. I really like that one. But like, I mean, I, I'm not sure if I love it for the president. So like, but I, I love it for that story and just that, mm-hmm. I don't know, I, it makes me feel stressed and it makes me wonder like, oh my goodness, are we screwed as a country? So... I just, I just, I, 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 and even though it was like in the past, like it just, I, I don't know, it just feels like such a real um, issue because it was, you know, and um, I, oh, yeah. I think they handled that so well. Um, I, oh, okay, I, I feel like you've chosen <laughs> this one. So like, I, I don't know if I want to steal it from you, but we could talk about it because I think I, I, all across the board, I think. I think this is considered the best uh, representation of a president, and that's um, Daniel Day-Lewis as Lincoln. I mean, it's oh, it's an incredible performance. You know, that was my choice, but it's a good one. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, okay. You roll so with glad. it. You roll with it. Yeah. No, I, I, man, and it's you know, it's it's what you can expect from Daniel Day-Lewis, where it's like just so precise, so exact. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I don't, and I think a lot of it is attributed to the script too, where. You know, he's always going into these stories and um, just the way that he kind of captivates a, a crowd, even one that's stressed out in the middle of a war. You know, he has this moment with them where he'll tell them some story from his past or something totally made up. But it just those deliveries, it just I don't know. You can see you, you can kind of imagine a little bit better what he was like as a leader and how, you know, Lincoln's role in U.S. history was just so important and why we still talk about him so much today. And it's just, it's a beautiful movie, beautiful performance. Um, well, I, I think I can echo a lot of what, you know, a lot of what you feel where when, when I think about that movie, I think I can kind of narrow down two things. Mm-hmm. One One that I really, really liked and one that makes me not really that crazy about the movie. Mm. Um, the thing that I really liked is the thing that you've pointed out, which is Daniel Day-Lewis's performance as Lincoln, which is just, you know, I mean, every, it, it really feels like he has completely captured and, yeah. and lived in that role. And and so his, his performance was really spectacular. Um, now, I, I don't know how much of that is based on other interpretations that we've been given over the years because, you know, we don't have, we don't have video of Abraham Lincoln. We have a couple of fleeting photographs, you know, and, and, and stuff, but like all of the, all of the mannerisms and the behavior and the, the characterization, 
it like it felt like he just completely nailed that and yeah. and so so i i love that the movie i've never been a huge fan of mm. um i i definitely appreciate the movie but my big takeaway was that was a lot of speeches like <laughs> it kind of felt like it was like two or three hours however long it was and it felt like most of the movie was people taking turns giving long monologues and mm. which kind of getting back to what we were talking about before felt a little bit more like telling instead of showing and now now granted i mean you know this this is not this subject is not an action subject you know even though so much of his you know it takes takes place adjacent to the civil war right but but like i don't know it in some ways it almost kind of felt like a stage play where mm. you'd kind of expect you know different people on stage to kind of take turns and you know the the and the, say solilo- their lines. the soliloquy yeah and so so his performance i thought was amazing the movie I, I haven't really felt like revisiting so much because it kind of feels you know mm. like a lot of speeches you know good speeches yeah but but it kind of I kind of felt myself thinking, okay, well, now what? Are we just going to hear another another <laughs> speech and another? Sp- okay, well, we well that was what I liked about it because I think the way the speeches worked was kind of a little different than what we were talking about earlier with the whole. I, I'm saying exactly what I mean because I think what the script actually did was it would go into these anecdotes where it's. It feels unrelated at first, but then it gets to a point where you're thinking about it and you're like, oh, this is the greater implication. This is this is the mm. message, but it's kind of hidden and you kind of have to think about it. Or there's a lot of things that aren't said. Um, like Tommy Lee Jones, I really like um, his storyline um, mm. where, you know, he's just so passionate about ending um, slavery and all that, but he kind of, you know, he he realizes that, you know, things kind of happen more gradually than he's wanting. And so, you know, he kind of goes against what he wants, but it's for the greater good. And so, you know, there are moments for him where you, you see his reactions, you see that change. There's a lot of things he doesn't say. And, and I, and I really liked that. And, um, and I don't know, I, I, I feel like it's a movie where even though there's a lot of talking, it's not really talking at you so i think i i do mm-hmm. enjoy that about it but it is a lot of a lot of dialogue and um yeah. it actually made me think with um death on the nile actually a point that i did want to bring up with it and i'm oh, sorry to bring it back but um i think another thing that worked with death on the nile is it also was pretty dialogue heavy like there wasn't a yeah. lot of action um but the way that they well, shot it kept it very interesting like shooting through yeah. things there was a lot of camera movement um, mm-hmm. Whereas with Lincoln, it, it is a lot more static kind of shots because it's trying to be intense and pull you in, but for every speech. Yeah. Well, and see, I, I, I should clarify because I don't think there's anything wrong with a dialogue-heavy movie, right? I that's mean, fair. That's that's fine. It's and and you're right because Death on the Nile. I mean, it's a it's a drama, right? It's a it's a mm-hmm. murder mystery. This isn't this is is not an action film, and so mm-hmm. so you're gonna have a lot of dialogue. I don't have a problem with the the idea that Lincoln has a lot of dialogue. I just felt like there was a lot of speeches, right? So there was mm-hmm. long formal so, so it, kind of it wasn't, to a crowd. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right, no, for sure. just a lot of 
long monologues. And again, I mean, it, it didn't ruin the movie for me. It didn't make me think, oh, this is a bad movie because of this. It just kind of made me think, oh, well, you know, I don't like this as much as I might like it otherwise if it didn't feel like that was such a kind of a repetitive uh, technique that's that's going on here. And, you know, and granted, I mean, I'm, now I'm trying to remember all of the step-by-step of the plot and stuff, but I mean, isn't there, I mean, it wouldn't, you wouldn't call it a courtroom drama, but, mm. But a know, lot of it kind of has those elements. Yeah. Whether you're and, in the court so, or not, or I guess right, with the Senate right. or not. But, but those are my, those are my takeaways from, from Lincoln is that, yeah. you know, def, definitely one of the best, not even just presidential interpretations, but like, you know, just really just a great acting performance in general. Um, but I, I haven't felt like revisiting the movie probably because I just remember a lot of speeches, you know, but uh, so, so, so you're ready for me to give you a completely different take as, as my choice. <laughs> oh goodness. See, I should have, I should have expected that. I'm like, Josh is going to go for the obvious thing, and then I remember all of our top. Oh, three give me a little more respect than that. Come on. <laughs> okay. No, okay. I'm, no. I'm... <laughs> well, no, and it's it's you know maybe it does say something about me because when I when I first came up with the idea, I started thinking like, okay, well, like which performance by Morgan Freeman are we going to choose? You know, and, <laughs> right. And and you're think I'm thinking about uh, Independence Day. You know, with uh, was it Bill Pullman? Is, oh yes, the yeah. President in there, and 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 one of my one of my longtime favorites um, is uh, Kevin Klein in the movie Dave, about the guy who's he's a presidential impersonator who winds up getting drafted to take the president's place because the president like has some medical emergency and so he's in a coma and and so it's like oh what if like an everyday guy was put in as president you know and and of course kevin klein is one of my all-time favorites but anyway mm-hmm. none of those are my choices <laughs> um because uh i can't possibly pick against peter sellers um who plays the president and various other roles in dr strangelove uh which is just an amazing movie uh, it's it's one of Stanley Kubrick's early movies. It's it's kind of a satire on on politics and the Cold War and and you know the kind of the the Red Scare early nineteen you know late nineteen fifties early nineteen sixties and and you know who's who's got their finger on the button and what 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 if this happened and the whole the whole thing is about you know basically there's a, a military I think it's a yeah, he's a brigadier general, and he just kind of loses his mind, and he launches an assault, like a nuclear assault, on the Soviet Union. And so everybody's kind of scrambling to figure out how do we prevent World War III. And uh, it's it's very very comic, very over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's really cool about it? I mean, one of one of the things that's very cool about it is that Peter Sellers plays multiple roles in the movie. Um, he plays uh, a captain, uh, Mandrake, who's kind of uh, the the Sterling Hayden is the brigadier general, and he's the one who goes nuts and launches the assault. And one of Sellers' characters is this uh, this Mandrake who's trying to who's like on the scene trying to you know restore order and, and all this. Um, he also plays uh, the 
the ex-Nazi German scientist who is now working for the Americans, who's Dr. Strangelove, you know, and that's, and so that's kind of where the title of the, the movie comes from. But then he also plays the U.S. president. And so a lot of like the plot is taking place in like this big war room, this, this very grandiose set where you have all the, you know, dramatic lighting and all these people sitting around this big table and, and, and Sellers plays the president as just, what's so funny is that he's, like the opposite of your traditional kind of authoritarian strongman leader. He's just kind of this, not timid, but just kind of everyday guy. And there's, there's this one scene where he gets in a conversation with like the Russian premier or the Soviet premier, whoever it is. And they're trying to kind of figure out what's going on. And the way they talk is just like, it's like the way you might talk to your neighbor about like a dispute over somebody's dog crapping in somebody's yard, you know, <laughs> like it, it's, it's so very, like, I don't, I don't want to give any kind of an impression of it or try to try to interpret it because you kind of have it, to experience it. You really, you really have to see it. Yeah. But, uh, but it's such a, such a funny and such, such a great performance and such an excellent movie. And so just, you know, maybe to kind of encourage anybody who hasn't, who hasn't taken the time to watch Dr. Strangelove yet. Well, I, I haven't so seen it yet. Good. I've, I know of it very well though, because like, I mean, it's just such popular satire and I think a lot of things have mm-hmm. copied it. And like, it's, I, it, from what I know, it's a very iconic film. So yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely on my, more radar. homework, I, I guess, huh? <laughs> I, I didn't realize that he played um, multiple characters. Uh, Peter Sellers played multiple characters. So that's kind of funny adding to that. Well, and he was he was gonna play another one. He, I think he actually had an, so so another. There's a bomber that is on its way to you know start the war, and so one of the plot threads takes place on board the bomber amid all of these. You know, uh, James Earl Jones is actually one of the characters, and, uh, and I'm trying to remember if that might have been the role that because originally Sellers was going to play that role as well. <laughs> and and so he was going to have four roles, but uh, I think he like had some kind of an injury or something, and so he was only able to do the three. But anyway, sorry, you Goodness. were saying. Goodness, yeah, no, I yeah, that's really impressive. Oh, and I was I was also just going to add that I loved your approach to the present scene because I was thinking like biopics and everything, right? Oh, um, but I <laughs> well, loved... maybe I should have. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was good because I think you you know probably would have looked at a lot of the ones that I did and. Um, uh, no, I, I love how there was kind of this theme, too, of, like, what the president represents in movies. And so, mm. like, you know, Bill Pullman, where it's like, you know, he's this leader, we're all looking to him. and um, But there's also the, the satirical look, right, in Dr. Mm-hmm. Strangelove, or most recently in Don't Look Up with Meryl Streep, who's kind of this um, buffoon who kind of represents both the Republican and the Democrat Party at the same time. Like, you oh, know, yeah. just... Um, it was it was very very interesting to watch that. So, you know, I just I I I really liked the the fictional take, and it just makes me think a lot about you know when you have a president in a movie, what their role is, what they represent, and how sometimes they'll be. A lot of the times, it's political commentary, but also it can be that you know this is our ultimate leader figure. So I I, I think that was just such a such an interesting approach. I really liked that. 
Well, I mean, maybe that's the best way to kind of sum it up, right? Is that if you're if you're looking for an incredible portrayal of a real president, then you go to Lincoln. If mm-hmm. you're looking for something that's <laughs> a a fun fictional president, then go to Doctor Strangelove. You know, very very, you know, very very different takes on the yeah. same, you know, the same executive position. But uh, look at yeah. us taking care of you this holiday weekend. That's right. Don't don't ever say that uh, <laughs> we, we didn't never do did anything for you. <laughs> That's some that's some great value for free. <laughs> right, right. Oh, okay, gosh. so so Danny, you you have done an excellent job of uh, posting stuff to the website to read. What uh, is there? Is there anything else you'd like to to pitch to the good people, the good listeners of the Film Pod <laughs> before we sign off this episode? We're officially on Facebook, so please follow us at Utah.film, yeah, just like the. A website domain spelled out like that and um yeah we just we we really want to get this growing and do all we can to um fulfill your your movie needs and questions and everything make all of your wildest dreams come true <laughs> which is from an idaho movie so i guess that only kind of counts <laughs> it's only kind of appropriate <laughs> well, well thanks danny Always, always good talking and uh, glad we had, we had a lot of, it was kind of nice to have a few different movies to knock around today. <laughs> right. And uh, so I don't know, I guess we got other stuff coming up. I'm not thinking of anything off the top. I'm thinking about spring break, frankly. I'm thinking about getting <laughs> out of town next month and uh, going down to explore some of these Southern Utah areas that Kevin Costner wants to film in. <laughs> and uh, maybe, maybe by next episode, we'll, we'll find out if the bill passed, but until then, Check out our stuff. Check out the Utah.film website. Check out our Facebook page. Listen to some old podcast episodes. Reminisce on the old times. And uh, <laughs> let us know what you think. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Bye.